What's up, everybody? It's Winifred Summer. And just before we get into this episode, I got to prepare you, okay? Prepare you for what you are about to witness. I got to interview someone who interviews some of the world's most celebrated um, entertainers, such as the Angela Bassett, um, the... Megan Good, the Omarion, you guys. Don't sleep on Omarion. I've always been a huge B2K fan. I've been a big supporter of Omarion. I even asked, what did Omarion smell like? I couldn't resist. I had to know. And <laughs> people want to know. Um, and not only, not only people who are in the TV and film arena, he's been around Muhammad Ali, the late, great Muhammad Ali. Ali, boom, that Muhammad Ali. So this is definitely a great episode filled with some gems. If you want to get into this type of position, maybe you want to write and be published. Maybe you want to get on some red carpets, you know, definitely some great information that you could utilize. This gentleman also works in healthcare. So we get to hear about the juggling and balancing of both lives and just the pursuit of excellence and um, the achievements. Like I'm still blown away by all these incredible things that he's done. So here we go. Let's get into the episode. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I have another amazing guest here with me today. Hello and welcome, Philippe Patterson. Hey. Hello, uh, my name is Philippe Patterson. I am a freelance journalist. I am a lead contributor to the Taji Magazine and Water Cooler HQ. I am also a member of the Critics' Choice Association and also a member of the African-American Film Critics Association. And I love film and TV shows. I love everything about screenwriting and just I love entertainment, period. So that's all I have to say about myself. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, and thank you for sharing all that because, yeah, you are a part of a lot of things. And I think that it's important to kind of touch on some of these things. But before we even jump into you know, you as a professional and all the great things that you are doing. I want to know, so you say you're like a person that's really into film and TV and all that stuff. So where does that stem from? Like, are there other people in your family that are into it? Is that like some of your favorite pastimes, watching movies? Like, how did that become your thing? Um, so how did it become my thing? So I, I actually, I've always loved TV and film, and that's actually... What I wrote in this little essay is that uh, it was a pastime for me and my family because we didn't have a whole lot of money growing up. So we would always go to, um, on a Friday night, go to Blockbuster or Roadrunner Video or Red Giraffe, any of those old movie rental places. And we were able to get like four movies, well, five movies, because if you get four movies rented, you get one for free. And we would just get, you know, a bag of Twizzlers or, and some popcorn, you know, it's not that much. And because there's like five of us, we would sit there and watch it. So we watch all types of movies. Um, and so it's always been like a pastime for me and my family. And as I got older, I continued to watch films. And then I got to independent films. So um, I really didn't see myself getting in, becoming a, a person in the entertainment business or writing about film or TV. I've always wanted to be a physician. So I went to school to be a doctor, got my degree in biology and 
worked in the uh, medical field as an ER tech for several years. And one day I was talking to my friend who's a writer, <clears throat> freelance writer, and she was like, I got all these articles published. I have like over 60, 70 articles. This is lovely. At the time, you know, I was going through some, you know, some some rough stuff emotionally and mentally. And so she was like, you can do the same thing. I'm like, no, I can't. I'm not a writer. I've written some stuff. I've gotten published as a poet, but not necessarily, you know, writer per se. And so she said, okay, well, I'm going to get you paid to be yourself. I don't know what it is. We're going to figure it out. That's the type of person she is. She is amazing. Um, and so... The next day she called me, she said, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to write about relationships. I want you to write about um, what you like and what, what would you like in a partner? What do you like about women? What do you think they don't like about men? What's the misconceptions they have about dating men? And um, what do you think love should be? Your definition of love? And I just write those things down. I'm going to write some stuff too. We'll just, I'll put them together. So she put them together. And we came up with this thing called hashtag Black Love Combo. And that was the first piece that got published of mine in Taji Magazine. It was actually in print. And um, I actually got the uh, pen name Dapper Dr. Phil because I was trying to become a doctor. And my name is Philippe, but people call me Phil. And so, and my friend came up, that same friend came up with that. And so after that, she was like, okay, we're gonna do some more stuff. So she's like, we're gonna have a pitch party in a pitch party, what you do is you sit with a whole bunch of writers online and you start to exchange, like, call for pitches, which is, like, editors and magazines looking for freelance writers and topics. And so you, you take those jobs, you throw them all in this little uh, online chat that you guys are on, and then you start throwing out ideas on which one you want to write about. And then other people chime in and say, well, that, that, looks like a good, that sounds like a good pitch. That doesn't sound like a good pitch. And then if you get a thumbs up or they say it's good to go, you pitch it to an editor. And the topic I chose was Saturday morning cartoons and how it affects the uh, consumerism. Mm. And so um, after that, I submitted that. That got picked up by a magazine. And then I started to get into sports and I started covering sports. Went to the ESPYs my first year writing and just started doing freelance from there for different magazines, Vice and OZ Magazine, which is now defunct. Um, and I got to a point where I was like, well, I like, I like to you know, write about movies. And so I said, let me try that. And so then after, after that, I got into doing writing, which is where I'm at now. So that's, that's my story. So get paid to be yourself. That is pretty powerful. I think that's going to be the title uh, of this podcast episode, get paid to be yourself and shout out to your friend. You know, that's the power of having great friends, you know, great people in your circle that recognize your gifts and talents and not only speak, you know, life and, and motivate and encourage, but actually take it a little further and actually help you, um, get to that place. So I think that's beautiful. I love to hear when friends kind of come together to to help each other level up so shout out to your friend for that for sure so very very fascinating would you say this all happened fast because as you're telling the story it's just kind of like boop, 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 boop. it just sounds like it happened fast or did it happen over a period of time over a period of time so it happened over um it was two years i was doing that so it kind of 
like I was because I went from doing um, stuff for Taji Mac, a few things, few pieces here, and then I did that mag that Saturday morning cartoon piece, and then I get I did a um, black athletes after football piece, which I got to interview Jamel Hill and a few other people, mm. and that got me into OZ magazine. And then you know that OZ magazine at the time was like a huge platform, had like over a million um, viewers a month, and so I felt all happy and proud and excited. And I was like, I can get on any type of magazine I want now. I can get on GQ and Time. And then the well was dry. <laughs> I was getting the rejections. And so I took it kind of hard. But then I kept, you know, I was like, you know, this is my first year. Let me keep trying. So I was, I would say it took me about another couple of months after that piece to get mm-hmm. published. Actually, I only, it only took me about a month. But, um, I just was persistent and then learning how to craft a pitch and learning what people wanted to read about. And so it, it takes, it takes some time because you got to get your rhythm. Once you get your rhythm, you're good to go. Cause then you, you connect with the editor, you know what they want, you know what the magazine wants. And so from there, you just get like a good rhythm going. And then once, if you stop, cause I have before, it's kind of hard to pick back up. And then also have to realize that, Editors do go, they change to different magazines or they go and do their own, they write a book or something like that. So then you have to reestablish yourself with um, a different editor for the magazine or you go some, go elsewhere because sometimes that editor um, that you had may have a different perspective than the new um, editor in place. So I've had a piece where it was going to be a video piece and it was up and going. And right, and we we shot the video and everything, and then we were gonna do reshoots. But then the editor that I was working with changed to a different magazine, and then so a new editor stepped in, and they were like, "I don't like this. We're at the pass." So you, you're gonna go through a lot of like heartbreaks and rejections, but you just gotta get used to it. You develop thick skin, and you have to just um, go back and figure out what do I need to do to make this work, and how do I need to improve. And that's that's been my whole journey is. Every rejection is a redirection or an opportunity to, opportunity to learn because you, you may need that rejection to learn how to craft your pitches better or learn how to become a better writer or, or a journalist or something like that. So that's so yeah, it doesn't it doesn't happen didn't happen for me like overnight. It did, a lot of stuff did happen to happen to me and with me for uh, within one year, but it just it takes a lot of rejections. You know, and they'll tell you you have to do like five pitches a, a week at least or if you have if you're really ambitious best ambitious you'll take and do five pitches in a day and all of this is just like a paragraph or two um about what you want to write about why you should write about it and and that's pretty much it so i have questions i have questions so all right so you said earlier that you didn't necessarily consider yourself to be a quote unquote writer. So how does someone who didn't necessarily see themselves as a writer turn around and then, I'm just trying to connect the dots. So when you're pitching to places or editors or what have you, are they asking you about your background or does that not even matter? It's just, what are you pitching and do we like it? Like, did anybody ever ask you, are you a writer? Like, what have you done in your early stages? So that's, so that's the thing. So with pitches, it, most time they want you to have like 
you know, your pitch, but they also want you to include why are you the authority or why are you the professional to cover that piece? So let's say there's a trend in fashion, like there's like polka dot shirts with Kanye's face on it, or let's, I won't, I won't say Kanye, we'll say, um, we'll, no, I won't say him either. We'll say, we'll say the rock, let's say polka dot shirts with the rock on it is a trend going on. So then you say, hey, you know, there's this trend going on. You've seen basketball players wear it. You've seen this actors wear it at an after party. Um, why is this a craze? And you can either say you, you know, you if you interview the person or interview a, a, a fashion professional, and then you say, well, I'm actually a um, a fashion writer, or I cover fashion, or I'm actually just a fashion designer, or you know, whatever your background may be, to help them help convince them that hey, you're the one that needs to write the piece. And then at the end of it, you say, I've written for this place, this place, and then you know, give them some references and that gives them a glance into what your writing style is. So your your pitch is like your introduction, you know, your it's kinda of like you're dating, you know, like, hey, this is who I am, this is the way I write, and they have to accept you. You know what I mean? And so that's how you that's how you do the the pitch piece. So when it comes to rejection, um, because you mentioned, okay, well you gotta get rejected to know what you need to do better or what's not working but do they actually tell you or is it like ghosting like jobs like when you apply to something and they may never talk to you again or are they a little kinder and they'll be like we don't like this because or does it just depend it depends on the person like some of the bigger platforms editors get like thousands of pitches a day mm-hmm. so they'll just say like you know Unfortunately, you have to pass on this one and that's it. And then some of them will take their time and say, hey, this is what this is not what we're looking for. We're looking for something for more, you know, something more edgier or and then sometimes they'll help you craft it, craft a pitch. So they'll be like, well, can you, you know, can you get some more information or data and maybe we can work with this and you come back and you give us some data. Because the rest, I mean, the, the thing for the pitch is actually like is setting them up for what you're going to write about. So, for instance, I did a piece on um Celtics players that were under six foot because at the time the Celtics had at least four three or like four or four at least four players under six foot that played for the Celtics coach and I did a piece about that and I went and documented how many times they made the playoffs how many the point averages of each player and um I just completed all this data for like the three, three to four years this coach was coaching the Celtics and their successes of these players in the six foot and how they impacted the record of the basketball team. So when you start with that, that's like, okay, that's a good reason for me to read this piece. You know what I mean? That sets everything up. So once you do that type of stuff, that's, and then it makes you easier to write your piece because now you got the data. You know what I mean? And you're good to go once they say, okay, that's good. But can you add this part to it? Can you add some more of this data and then you're good to go? And but like I said, when it comes to rejection, it's just some people will respond back and other people will be other people will be like, no. And sometimes you'll just you'll get radio silence. You won't get anything. You'll just <laughs> they'll just look at you, they'll just look at your email and just whatever, because they got so many other emails and they got their own work to do. Got it, got it. You know, once upon a time, 
I actually submitted something to Essence Magazine. Now, this is a long, easily over 10 years ago, maybe even 15 years ago. My mom uh, subscribed to Essence. And so I would just take her Essence Magazine <laughs> most times before she even got a chance to see that it came in the mail, read it. You know, that was just kind of like my thing. And I would see in the very, very back where it would say something like, oh, if you want to pitch an article idea or something like that, send it to this address. And back then, because this is way, way, way back in the day, um, they wanted you to send it like in a manila folder or something. <laughs> send it in a mail. So I wrote out my pitch because I think I had just come from uh, spending a couple of weeks in Haiti. And that at that time, that was probably my first time back. Um, in in years I want to say how long? I don't know I can't remember the time period but it was like I had gone often as a kid and then there was like this gap period where I didn't really go that much and then I finally went back um where I was old enough to really take everything in and understand and learn about my history and I'm like oh this is gonna be great I have photos on photos on photos that I printed out nice color photos attached it to the document I was like oh they're gonna love this and crickets <laughs> crickets and I was just like so discouraged and I was like oh my gosh it was perfect I mean of course in my brain it was but I kept trying to like find a phone number or somebody to talk to be like did you even get it like I got nothing um and I just remember after that experience I was like you know what I'm good and I never I, I don't think I ever tried again um to be honest so listening to you talk about this it kind of makes me wonder um, maybe if it's worth a try again. I mean, I just let one rejection uh, totally take me off track. So to hear you say that how many times you pitch in a day and how it took a period of time to kind of get your rhythm. Um, I think somebody listening probably will hear that as well and take that in. So if you had to say the recipe for a basic good pitch, and I know it's probably not one size fits all, but if you could give like very generic advice for somebody that's a beginner, what would you say is kind of like a good go-to? Um, well, I mean, the first thing I would say is just know your audience. Read the magazine that you want to apply for, because if you don't know who you're writing to and what they're looking for, and if it's already been covered or if they have it already in line, have it queued to be uh, covered or published, then you you know you're pretty much just wasting your energy. That's the most important thing. So a lot of people will say, "I got a good idea." Well, you don't know if they've already started having somebody write that one, one that idea, and haven't published it yet. So I would say, first things first, know who you're write, who you're pitching to. So if you're writing to, um, so if you're writing to Essence, make sure you know, okay, who, what, what stories are they publishing? What area of the magazine am I writing to? Am I writing about? Am I writing to the relationships, the features, the culture what am i writing to and then see what they're writing about and then if you're writing to an editor go look up their body of work a lot of times they're on twitter just look them up and see what they've written before and what the writing style is and then you go ahead and you try your best to kind of use their format 
or their voice and make it your own. It's kind of like ba- it's kind of like basketball, you know, you or any sport, you you get the foundation of it and you make it your own. So that's the first thing I would say. And then the next thing is just um, try to craft a a a a pitching um, template that you can you can use. So you know you you have your introduction, who you are, and you know you want to put some the couple like I know I put one title, then I put an alternate title as well, and then why what the topic is, why you're the why you are the professional on it or the person to write it, and you have your little data or information to engage the editor, and then you end it with. Um, where your other work has been featured and Mm -hmm. so it may and it may take you writing for a small publication or for nothing just to get your get your byline started you know the byline is just your body of work so for me it would be like i've written for vice magazine or for oz magazine i've written for water cooler and taji mag and uh, the billfold. So, you know, this that's when somebody says byline, that's what they basically mean. But it's good for editors so they can see that you have been published elsewhere and, you know, you're not just like some Joe Schmo off the street. And that's it. Um, question. So, all right. <laughs> so, I've written for my church magazine. Okay. So, mm-hmm. can I include that? Or are they going to be, be like, oh, this girl over here or her little church magazine, that don't count. No, that's, I mean, as long as you get, so you want to pick your best pieces. You don't want to pick some pieces you're just like, ah, somebody. So as long as it's, a, it's it's one of your top pieces and it fits your voice, that's fine. Um, like I said, my first piece was for the billfold. They only paid like, what, $40. You know, they're a small platform on medium. I don't know if they, they're not anymore, but they were. Um, and Taji Mag at the time, it wasn't as big as it is now, you know, still not as big as other people, but it only had like 10,000 followers on Instagram. <laughs> and, you know, it really wasn't as big. Um, it's grown to now like 61,000, but uh, they just want to see you, that you've written something and they kind of want to get the grasp what your voice is. You know, kind of look at your, your resume. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the less work they got to do, the better. <laughs> if they see you got like grammar issues and all that stuff, which I've had in the past, I've improved. They're gonna be like, "You got a good idea, but you're gonna you're gonna cost me a lot of work. The time is of the essence." <laughs> don't they have like people on staff that do that, or they want you to do everything? No, no, no. I mean, that's they have editors. I mean, I mean, hell, I work with editors a lot. Um, but it's just the amount of work you have to do, hmm. right? Got it, got it. All right, well, well, let's get into it because I was on Instagram and I saw you had a photo of some sort with Omarion, and I'm a huge Omarion fan, okay? Oh, it's gonna be the sound, girl, and it's going down. Everybody's saying, oh, okay, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> that whole old album, masterpiece, okay? I'm a huge B2K, um, you know, from day one. I had the poster in my bedroom and everything. So when I go and I see 
you are next to the Omarion. I almost fainted. Like I almost dropped the phone and just stretched out on the carpet. I just didn't know how to process it. I think I asked him what he, I asked you what he smelled like and you're like, anybody smelling him, but, (laughs) but you have been around and I mean, I'm a, an Omarion groupie, but you have been around a lot of amazing people, whether it's virtually, you know, interviewing, actually speaking to these amazing people. And then you have also shared space um, with people. So it's fascinating because, I mean, yes, they're just people like you and me, but these are not people that are easy to really get next to and it's just like I check out your your posts and stuff and I'm just like wow is that is that making good is that you know is that this person that person this person that person so talk to me about your first celebrity interview um who was it and how did that even come together well, I told you, my, well, my first in-person interviews were at the SP. So I interviewed a lot of people that day. Um, I interviewed Janelle Hill again for the second time in person. Um, what's his name for the Seahawks? Uh, Richard Sherman for the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, who, who is, not about nature. Um what is that girl's name who won the Golden Globe? I can't remember her name. <laughs> what is that girl that won the Golden Globe? <laughs> she, yeah, I, I, hopefully she won't, she's not going to hear this, so, but it's okay. <laughs> not Golden Globe. <laughs> Golden Globe. Golden <laughs> Globe. Um, let's see. I can't think of what is, what is her name. It's okay. Yes. I can't think of her name. I can't think, and I can see her face. Um. Give me one second. Let me look. Uh, AJ Andrews. Yeah, mm-hmm. AJ Andrews. She won the gold. The first woman to win a Golden Glove in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what is and uh, what is what is Molly's name from Insecure? Oh, I don't watch that show, so I don't know. <laughs> Yvonne, I think it's Yvonne Orji. So I interviewed her too. So it's just those, and that was so that was my first experience being on the red carpet. I didn't know what I was doing. I had to call somebody the day before and be like, hey, I'm going to go into the ESPYs. Don't know what I'm doing. I so said I wanted to get here, and now I'm here. And basically, I just, I just the night before, they give you like a, a list of people who are going to be there. And so I just, every single person that was on that list, it was like four, pa- four pages worth. I made sure I had three questions for each people, for each, each person. Because I was like, I didn't know who I was going to get access to. And who was going to interview? I really wanted to interview Esarek because that was her. That was when she started to blow up and she was hosting. But when she got to me, she had to hurt. They was pushing her out in to host the show. Host the show. So, um, and that's how it started basically. And then I kind of learned from other people. Like I watched a lot of YouTube videos, and there was a couple of uh, sports analysts who were there and and journalists who I, who I've seen them before and like on TV, and then asked them some questions. And what surprised me was they had been covering it for decades and five to 10 years. And by the, towards the middle and the end of the SB's red carpet, they were asking me questions about who, who do I interview and why do I need to interview them? And they were like, well, let me interview them too. 
and, mm -hmm. and I even had a producer say, hey, man, you, you were really good, you know, for your first time to be here. And he was actually giving me some advice on how to shoot, how to, how to adjust my video. I don't have my camera, but how to adjust my camera phone to get a good, um, good angle. And so that gave me confidence to, to, to go further, you know. And so that's what I started doing. After that, I just started to, you know, reach out to people virtually and try to do interviews. And I really didn't start to pick up doing interviews in person and um, virtually until I started doing entertainment. And that's when I started to really pick up on how to pitch to interview people and the benefits of because I, I was always reading about how to improve myself and one of the things they were one of the things i looked up was um a gentleman said that if you go to a film festival that's when you get to do red carpets and that's when you get most of your work because you can interview multiple people that day or those few days and use that to pitch to people you can like review movies but then interview uh, random people who might show up you know, and get like three or four questions answered, you know, answered. And even that in turn, take those questions, that interview, and then turn it into a pitch to a magazine, because you can take that and expand it. So once I did that, I was like, okay, let me go to these different film festivals. And I got rejected like the first year to all of them. <laughs> but that, but then I started to do, like do movie reviews and use what they call screeners. Um, the ones that you know accepted me, of course, because I always had a rule of thumb: at least have at least three to four good pieces that you can show to publicists to get into these film festivals and to get into these, you know, these red carpets. So that way they can say, okay, he's gonna be—he won't make a fool of himself when he comes up and interviews people, and he's gonna have make sure he has the piece done when I ask him for it. Because the most important thing is, like, after you do the interview. Those publicists and those production companies want to see what you did, what you produced, because you know time is money, and they take their time out to inter interview with you and to respond to you via email. So they're going to want to see the product of that. Interesting. So, so, how do you pick your outfits? Because you can't just go in any old thing. So, like, what is your process do you have a stylist do you have your own personal style do you have like a go-to suit that you wear every single time like how do you figure out what to wear to these big events so what depends on the event so my i'll take for instance tribeca and my friend who also got me started told me you should wear you have bow ties you dress nice let that be your thing you're bald-headed you're bearded and you have a bow tie and people will remember you um, so I, I usually get bow ties from Black-owned stores. Um, the ties I've had recently for the this year have been made by my uh, cousin, who actually is a fashion designer. She's done dresses for reality TV stars, and um, and I like to support Black-owned you know products. And so that's been my thing. It's just when I wear stuff, it's usually Black-owned. Um, so that when I can tag them in, it. so that way they can get like free kind of publicity, like hey. I'm interviewing Angela Bassett with the tie made from my uh, cousin who has a, a fashion store in Atlanta. Mm. That's how you, and that's how you do that, you know. So, and then you can work and expand that if you want to, and say, "Hey, I, I can be a brand brand ambassador with with you because I've been at this event and I had a bow tie on." 
So, I mean, I, I just, I have my own style. So it depends on the day. So sometimes those red carpets can be long and hot, depending on if you're in LA or wherever you're at. So I try to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a more lavish, like opening night um, film, I might try to get some, you know, a nice suit. But for the most part, I'm trying to do like a jacket, nice jacket, slacks, or just jeans, depending on where I'm at. And a bow tie. So you always find me in a bow tie if I'm doing my interviews. Well, most of the time you will. And, you know, I just try to fix, fix us based on the day. If it's going to be like a long day with multiple red carpets and I'm just trying to get through, I will make sure I have a nice shirt, nice jacket, nice slacks. And that's it. And then if it's like an opening night film and it's going to be an important night, I'll get something more, you know, more fancy. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Ay, ay, ay. Ah, got so many questions, but I don't want to overwhelm you with questions. So what, well, who, okay, let's go with who. Who is the person that you have interviewed or been in the same room with that had you like starstruck, if, if at all? Um. So the only person I've really been starstruck by, and this is even before I got, this is like when I was in high school, was Muhammad Ali. Because um, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, and he's from Louisville, Kentucky, and we went to the same high school, and he would show up, you know, pop up every now and again. And I was late to basketball practice, and I was trying to get to basketball practice, and he was in the hallway. So I'm going through the crowd trying to. Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm okay. sorry. Did you say Muhammad Ali? Yeah, Muhammad Ali. Like the Muhammad Ali? Yeah, the Louisville Lip, greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali. Okay, I just had to make sure I had to pause on that. You say so casually, like, oh, Muhammad, yeah, Muhammad Ali. Okay, well, I just want to make that's, sure. That's, that's because he's always there. I mean, his, I see his, uh, his brother all the time. His brother is actually my father-in-law's, like, uncle. So he's, come, he's been to my mom's wedding and everything else. So I see him, like, all the time. I got scared because I thought it was him at first. But um, yeah, so that's that's the first time I got really got starstruck. I remember I got in the middle of the crowd and he was right there and he got in front of me. He started shadow boxing me. I'm just like my I couldn't move my feet. My eyes were all big and he looked at me. He just like did the weight waved me off because he was like, "You just too starstruck." <laughs> he started doing magic tricks because you know I get more starstruck by people who have impacted you know history, you know. Um, even like the um, this Tuskegee Airmen, when I met them at the African American um, art, History of Art, and I just couldn't move my legs. I'm like, you have impacted history. You've been through so much. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say the person, there's been a few people who've made me kind of be like, oh, man, I had a crush on you. And that was, the first one was Regina King, because mm -hmm. she is gorgeous. And I was not prepared to um, be in her presence because I was not expecting for her to show up. But it was a, a film festival here, and there was a closing night film was If Bill Street Could Talk. I just really wanted to see the film, but I wanted to interview the cast. And when she came up, I was like, you are just gorgeous. And everybody was just wowed by her beauty and her presence. Mm. I'm not interviewed her, but she was fine. Um, 
let's see who else. Um, Angela Bassett, she was, she made me kind of blessed because her presence just also just, she, she just had this presence about her. And I was just kind of blushing a little bit. I'm like, hey, man, you are the queen. Um, I don't know what to do. And I have a picture, somebody took a picture of me and I'm kind of like cheesing and looking like, I don't know. And she's like smiling at me, knowing I'm nervous a little bit. Um, and then the final one, which you saw, is Megan Good. Because I had a crush with her since, you know, my cousin Skeeter. <laughs> and I wasn't really nervous because I just was in work mode, kind of. But once I got, like, after I got finished with like, our, our conversation, because we had a nice little conversation, I was like, oh, that just happened, Philippe. Mm. That just happened. <laughs> She's single now. It's like, <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's all good. No, but it, it, I mean, it had, that happened. But like I said, the, the moment I was starstruck was with Muhammad Ali because he just impacted history. He meant so much. And so I just remember I couldn't move. Like, it was like as if you were standing in front of a giant. <laughs> you don't know how to move. So. That's that's the one time I really got starstruck. I think other times I just, you know, I've been, you know, I blushed a little bit here and there, but nothing, you know, too serious. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, okay, I'm learning. I'm learning new things about you, sir. So this has been really cool. Um, so what is your biggest goal? Like, I know that, you know, you are into film and that you, you are writing as well, your own stuff. Um, like, what is your biggest goal in, I guess, this creative space? Like, is there a big event that you want to attend one day or a certain person you want to interview or you want to make your own film or your own thing? Like, what is your, at the end of the day, what do you want to be known for? Um. I want to be known, actually, I want my, I would, it would be awesome if I, um, I would prefer to have a, a body of work that you didn't have to remember my name, but just have an impact that, you know, individual or inspire, you know, that's been my thing, whether it be me writing a, a piece and, you know, because sometimes I'll be walking around and people be like, they know me. I run to be like, hey, Philippe, what's going on? Hey, man, you're doing some big things. It's not to me. It's just me working all the time. And they said, well, I'm inspired to do, you know, do what, do what I have to do. And I'm like, okay, cool. Just, just, just know it ain't going to be easy. Um, so my, my thing is I, I would want to create and continue to create content that inspires people and, you know, make them memorable. And that's even for my work. Like whenever um, I start filming my own movies and TV shows. I want them to be impactful. Like, I always think about the way, like, She's Gotta Have It or um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind made me feel. Like, I didn't at the time know it, those were, like, indie films, but I did know they made me feel something, and they made, they connected me to the character, and they connected me to the story, and I still feel the same feelings to this day. And even when I got older, I really appreciated those movies because um, I got into relationships and experienced like the heartbreaks and the, you know, dating phase and everything else. And it just, it's like, okay, I want to create that for other people. Like, not necessarily like a bad thing, but just something that's memorable. Like, you have, a, everybody has a song they remember during certain moments in their life or 
you know, some movies. And I want to make sure I, I want to have that happen for other people. And I have to remember my name. They'd be like, man, that movie was good. And the writer was exceptional. I don't remember his name, but I love that film. Or, man, that movie review was like awesome, man. I don't remember who wrote it, but I agree with them. You know what I mean? So it's not really, I don't necessarily would want to, it'll be a bonus if I could be, you know, be remembered or be acknowledged, but I just want to create content and projects that, you know, inspires people and just connects with people. That's like my biggest thing. That's like, because you, once you do that, you become immortalized. Because then people, some people look you up later. Like you might not know who wrote the film or who wrote the, whatever the article is, but they can always look it up and they're like, oh, okay, he wrote that. And then they'll forget it again. <laughs> then they'll tell somebody else and tell somebody else and then tell somebody else and then, then that person might look them up. But that's, that's my goal. I love it. All right. So we're getting close to the end of the interview, but I just have a couple more questions. Um, so you are a part of these different like networks or associations um, that you mentioned earlier on when you were introducing yourself. Um, what, what does that mean for you to be a part of those groups or organizations? Like what, what are the benefits um, well, I feel like it's pretty obvious, but for those who may not be familiar, can you kind of talk about the benefits of being a part of those associations? So the benefits of these associations is, of course, to network uh, with other critics, um, some who are on bigger platforms, but some of the biggest benefits of being part of uh, Critics' Choice or African-American Film Critics Association is that you get access to screeners and interviews. And sometimes the production companies send you swag. But the biggest thing is just you know, access to advanced screener. When I say screener, that means advanced showings of movies. So you know, some of you all can look at movies. Most people can look at movies in advance. As well. If you go online and Google advanced movies, and then whatever location like here, you'll see, if you type in advanced um, screening, movie screenings, DC, you'll see a whole bunch of sites that'll pop up. You can apply for those. And they usually show like a week or two before the movie comes out. And it's usually on like a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. But I mean that's all in the this that's what it, you get access to some to some of the other subgroups that they have, like the Black Spirit Choice Black Spirit Choice Association. Um and then you have the 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 big biggest benefit is at the end of the year where you know you get a lot of movies sent to you to watch so you can vote and then they have the awards bank with like the you know Critics Choice Awards, which I think most of everybody's familiar with because it shows on TV. And the uh, event that I just went to, the African American Critics Association Awards. And so those are big, those are nice to go to because you know you'll get to network with and talk to your peers, and then some of the actors and entertainers show up as well and snack for dinner. But that's the biggest thing that you could get with, with those. But I just see it as an opportunity to network and to get access to um movie screenings and increase my chances for interviews uh you know my and my thing is i i don't always shoot for like the biggest stars because I, since i love them so much i will reach out to independent filmmakers and you know up-and-coming actors i'll give an example so for jonathan majors i watched his first film the last black man in san francisco and i was like this man's gonna be a star let me reach out to him asap 
and get him get his interview before he blows up. And I was able to get in touch with the, his publicist. She and then in turn turned me on to Lovecraft Country, and I got to interview him twice actually. And I was like, hey, congratulations on your your first film and Lovecraft Country. You're about to blow up. So thank you for taking time for me to interview. So that's what the benefits of the being a part of those organizations are about. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Okay. So much amazing stuff um, going on. So you mentioned earlier that you know went to you went to school to be a doctor. Um, and so you still are working in healthcare as well. So how is it juggling all these different things? Because I, I come from the healthcare background as well. So I understand how like emotionally like taxing that can be and just like all that on your spirit. And it's just kind of like, uh. and then on the flip side, you get to do all this other stuff um as well so what is what is it kind of like I don't want to call it a double life but mm-hmm. what is it like kind of dealing with both it's exhausting <laughs> it's exhausting um because you know you well I'm always trying to figure out how to improve my content um how to get interviews and you know, how to make things work um I have a good working relationship with my boss and so um I try to work as much as I can which is majority all the time at work um, and then if I get the opportunity to take off, I can, you know, and most stuff is after work anyway. So it's just, and it's just a lot of work. And, you know, you sometimes you experience burnout. Like I experienced burnout um, towards during the last leg of the award season. So I was just, I was tired because I not only um, write the reviews, you know, and have them edited, I kind of sometimes kind of have to get the, photos and the videos together and then make sure that I reach out to the publicist for this and for that. So it's it's exhausting because you have to do a lot of stuff to, to stay on top of your game. Um, but then it's helpful when you have peers. Like I went I went to Santa Barbara Film Festival. I met a, a couple of critics who were like, I was burnt out. <laughs> I took a break. And you know, I have a wife and kid or I have a you know a spouse and it's just exhausting. So it's just I'll put it this way. I never really understood finding your passion, you know, pursuing your passion until like the last five years, because you really have to be passionate in what you're pursuing, because you're going to have a lot of rejections, you're going to be tired, but if you are passionate about it, you know, it doesn't matter, Um, but you do have to make sure you, you know, you have self-care, so I do take some breaks, I do, you know, get a massage here and there. But it's just, and I love it so much sometimes because people will tell me you're doing a lot, but to me, it doesn't feel like a lot because I'm passionate about film and entertainment. So I, I say the biggest thing is just being passionate about what you're pursuing will help get you through. But make sure you take care of your mental health because people can burn out and just be like, I'm done. Like, there's a couple times I was just like, I want to stay at home, watch Batman Beyond, and eat a bowl of Cheerios. <laughs> Cheerios, no, no flavor. Just, just. Cheerios. I'm sorry, honey nut Cheerios. Honey nut oh, okay. Cheerios. Is my <laughs> I love it. Okay, thank you for sharing that and being honest with us about that. Cause yeah, man, I don't know how you do it, but I love to hear that you have that drive and that passion, and you're just like, look, gotta do what I gotta do. Um, so that's dope. All right, 
very quick. We're just going to play a quick little game. And then after the game, you can let people know how they can support you, follow you, all that good stuff. Um, and maybe some things that may be coming up for you. All right. So this game is just kind of like, eh, it's not really a game, but I'm just kind of asking you whether it's like a this or that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So between the two options that I give you, just let me know which one you think is better. Mm -hmm. um, so are you ready? And these are all magazines, actually uh, black magazines. All right, here we go. <laughs> all right, Ebony or Jet? Why, why are you doing this? <laughs> why are you doing this? Um, I'll say ebony. Um, yeah, I won't say why, but I'll say ebony. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we're going to go with, and some of these magazines aren't in print anymore or exist at all. So um, The Source magazine or Double XL? What, what are you doing? <laughs> it's hard. Huh? I know it's hard. You got to pick. Why, why are you even... You, you didn't prepare me for this. Um, I would say I, I I read a lot of the source growing up, so I'll say the source. Word Up or Write On magazine? I read more Word, word Up magazine, so I'll say Word Up. I like it. I like it. All right. Um, so next up, we have Black Enterprise Magazine, um, and then we have The Horizon. I say Black Enterprise. Okay, 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 see, see, see. Um, all right, well, name a, I'm sorry, I'm switching up parts of the game. <laughs> so it went you, from this you or that. Like, you acting like a little kid where you making those stuff now? <laughs> Making it out as I go along. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so as far as a magazine um, that does like, for example, Hype Hair magazine was pretty big when I was growing up for like, you know, the latest hairstyles and things like that. Um, so is there any magazine cover that stands up, stands out, excuse me, in your memory that you just think about it like oh I remember that cover from like 1995 like is there any magazine cover that just you can't get out of your head <laughs> that that laughter <laughs> must be one of those covers huh what was it uh what was her name I can't even remember her name but all right you tell me you tell me hmm? <laughs> tell me a cover I was trying to think of who you may be thinking about but I don't want to make assumptions I don't want to say what I was thinking about. <laughs> um, I would say one of the covers I would say is one of one of the most memorable ones that I remember is The Rock on the cover of um, Health Magazine. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> hmm? The Rock on the cover. So, what was so great about it? Uh, because like he. Like he was like I, he inspired me a lot, you know what I mean. Um, only because I always like him as a you know as a wrestler growing up. Mm -hmm. But what we also shared is that 
the thing, the our our goal that we desired was the best thing that happened to us. And he has a little video about that. And so when you see him like putting in work, you know what I mean. That's that's what I try to do all the time: put in work. Um, that's what I uh, that's what I meant. Remember, just putting in work and just seeing him just go through the transformation. Because you know it's when you you know when you're young, it's kind of hard, you know, trying to find your way. But he always is just like, I'm the rock. <laughs> <laughs> I can dig it. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing um, that. I think it's cool. I think that if I ever thought about like the iconic magazine covers, um, I always loved when, I think it was Essence that they do like the black love kind of spread um, in February or something like that. And they'll show a lot of like the the black couple, celebrity couples, and they have these beautiful photo shoots. And so I always really loved that. And then I love when they would have like a big group um, of women. Like there was this one Essence cover, had like Mary J. Blige and Beyonce, and Janet Jackson, and they were all together. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the power, the star power. Um, and I brought up Hyper Magazine earlier because I would always watch as I would go through the grocery store and I would kind of see those really cool hairstyles and colors and all that stuff. And I would just be like, Ooh, I want to try this and I want to try that. But, but all right, cool. Thank you so much for playing. All right. So let the good people know uh, where they can follow you and how they can support you. Um, yes, you can find me mostly on Instagram at F Dapper, D as in dog, A, P as in pizza, P as in pizza, E as in elephant, R, D as in dog, R, so F Dapper D, Doctor, so F Dapper Doctor, or you can look me up on Twitter at Dapper, P-E-R, D-R, Dr. Feel, so Dapper, Dr. Feel on um twitter or you can look me up on linkedin just look up philippe patterson or you can look me up on muckrack m-u-c-k-r-a-c-k and that's where you'll find me then feel free to reach out and i can i'll respond within 24 hours <laughs> i'm busy Excellent, excellent. Because I, I just want to say this one last thing, because if, if someone was listening to the whole entire episode, they would be like, yeah, I'm going to send him a bow tie. I'm going to send him something so he can wear it. Are you open to receiving things from people that you don't know? I am. As long okay. as it's not anything um, inappropriate. <laughs> sweet y'all heard it here well we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode thank you so much Philippe for your time and for letting me kind of pick your brain a little bit I appreciate you making this time to chat with me and this wonderful audience of people so y'all heard it check him out show him some support and some love and that's it for the episode take care And there you have it. I don't know about you, but I feel inspired.
For those of you who are into writing and, you know, you think you can't do it. Maybe you've tried and it didn't work out. I shared my story. It didn't work out for me. But, but it's not impossible. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. Network. Um... But yeah, thanks so much for listening to this episode. And please support, support, follow, comment. Let me know how you feel about this episode. Let me know what tips you plan to um, put put action behind. So, so yeah, thanks so much for joining. <laughs> and there'll be another episode dropping soon. Take care.